I so look forward to, to this time when I get to share what God's, God's been doing in my life. Um, it, uh, it's been a rough, rough uh, while here in, in my life, just a lot of stuff going on, a lot of, a lot of craziness um, ha- has been going on in our lives. And, and when, we, when we look down the road at the future and stuff like that, and in, in the agriculture industry, you, you get kind of depressed when you, when you begin looking at it. You're like, man, how, how, how's a small farm like me ever going to survive? And, and, and you start wondering. And, and boy, things just really start building up in your lives, uh, in our lives. And uh, last Sunday, um, <laughs> God just did some really crazy stuff to me last Sunday. Um, so last, pretty often on Sunday mornings, I like to get up uh, early, get my feeding done. I come in the house, and I'll usually put on some worship music, uh, really just to get myself centered on, on, on the day ahead, on, on when we come here to worship, so that my heart and my mind is really in the right place, so I can just really focus close on God. And, and I sat down, and, and um, we have Dish Network, which is... Um, we also have XM radio on there. So then I normally put on the message and, and listen to the songs there. And, and it's usually really good for me. And uh, so I turned it on, though, and uh, when, when my TV comes on, it comes up to some random channel. I think it's a random channel. I'm sure they have some algorithm in there that says, you normally turn this channel on, and so this is what comes on. Well, um, the, the pastor come on uh, as soon as I turned it on, and, and right away he begins his sermon with, we're going today to Acts chapter 20. And he reads these words from Paul. And he says, And now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given to me, the task of testifying of the good news of God's grace. I went, wait a minute. Paul. God said, go to Jerusalem. When you get there, it's going to be really, really hard. And they're going to chain you up and put you in prison. Not sure I want to go there. In fact, a bunch of Paul's buddies, when you read around that Acts chapter 20, you find out his buddies were like, don't go, dude, you know, there's going to be hardships there. Paul says, now, nah, Holy Spirit told me I've got to go there. I'm going to go there. It's just how it is. I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter if I'm in chains. It doesn't matter if it's going to be hard. And then, I come to church last Sunday, and Ed starts speaking, and he talks in 2 Corinthians 11, where where he writes about Paul again. From the Jews five times, I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often in perils, in waters, in perils, in robberies, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness, often in hunger and the thirst and fastings, often in cold and nakedness, besides the other things that come upon me daily. 
<laughs> the other things that come upon me daily? My deep concern for all the churches. What? And, and Ed says, what if the more incites fear? Like, okay, God, what are you trying to tell me this morning? First, I read that the Holy Spirit told Paul to go to prison and get arrested. And then I'm challenged with the question, what if the more that God has for you in your life incites fear in your life? And so the Lord and I were talking about that. And, and of course, since it was Mahaffey last Sunday and Sheila was up at Mahaffey, I decided I wanted to go up and be with her and hear some of the speakers up there. And so I make my way up Sunday afternoon to Mahaffey and come time for the evening service, I go in and sit down and what's the theme? Uh, but the theme is that uh, finding glory in crisis, in sufferings. <laughs> like, okay, God. Now what are you trying to tell me? The missionaries stand up and they start telling about how they had all these major crises and all these problems and, and how glory came out of it because of all the sufferings. I'm still not sure I want to suffer. You know, really down, downright deep in my heart, I'm probably a pretty lazy kind of guy. I mean, I'll work hard and I'll push it, but quite frankly, I don't want to do any more than I absolutely have to do. I'm really kind of a lazy kind of guy. And quite frankly, going through hardships on purpose just seems kind of dumb to me. I'm not condemning tattoos or anything, but I'm just not con making myself have more pain on purpose. I, I, I cut myself, I get all kinds of scars and bruises. I'm not doing it on purpose. I, I'm just that kind of guy. And the evening speaker stands up and he continues in the exact same pattern. And he starts in Isaiah chapter 6. And in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, in the year the king Uzziah died. Now, how many of you have read Isaiah chapter 6, have heard this passage before? Have seen that line? And you didn't think much of it, right? In the year king Uzziah died. Well, of course, this dude's a Bible scholar, knows way more history than I do, and understands all this stuff. And he says, this is a crisis situation for Isaiah. I'm like, what? Dude, the king died. Yeah. This king, for the most part, was a good king. He did some dumb things, and he ended up getting thrown out of the kingdom and all that. But really, for the most part, he served God, he did what was right, and the nation prospered. He was listening to the prophets most of the time, and things were going good. He was a benefit. It was this, this was a good thing. And now all of a sudden he dies. A man of God who was leading the nation in the right direction dies. And now the nation itself is in a crisis. And as being the prophet Isaiah... If you just stop and think about this for a second, what's Isaiah's job? To tell people what God wants them to hear. And pretty often, if the nation's going in the wrong directions, whose job is it to tell them in the Old Testament? The prophet. And we know the history. We know how kings work in old times, right? You go in and tell the king something he doesn't want to hear. What happens? 
off with your head. There's not much hope. I mean, this is a crisis. But at this time, at this time in Isaiah's life, when King Uzziah died, when he was facing a crisis, when he was facing a major hardship, it continues and says, says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Now there's a difference between the Isaiah and I think us sometimes. Isaiah evidently was in such communion with God. He was in such tight fellowship that in this time of crisis, his eyes did not see the crisis. We don't see anything about him complaining about the king dying. He just states a fact in the year that the king died. And Isaiah is so in tune with God that God takes him into his throne room and allows him to see with his eyes who God really is. And as I looked at this passage, and I wondered how often, whenever I'm facing the crisis around me, do I look at the crisis instead of the God who is in charge? You see, see, look at this, look at this worship service that he enters into. He's entering into a worship service. Above God, above him, were seraphim each with six wings, and two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. That's a worship service. That's where I want to be in worship. I want to be in front of His throne. I want to see that. You see, I I think if I would realize that as as I'm worshiping God in the Spirit, as we stand together here, that we can be there. I don't think this is just for Isaiah. You see, there's there's a couple things when when I look at this that I see. I see how important this time is for Isaiah to see the holiness and the majesty and the mightiness of God. To see His power and to see these heavenly beings worshiping Him continually. To hear His voice. To hear the worshipers shake the doorposts and the very ground. Honestly, folks, if it gets a little loud in here Sunday, that's a good thing. Yeah, it can be a little loud. It happened in heaven. I know, and and this is nothing against Tracy. Tracy does a fantastic job, but I know Tracy doesn't like my bass real loud. I like my bass real loud. It It can rattle the floor, and I'm okay with that. I remember years ago, we had a nice subwoofer up on the stage, and The stuff that was sitting on my music stand vibrated across the stand while we were playing. (laughs) To me, that's fun. I love it. 
but a worship service that is so powerful, that is so mighty in the very presence of God that even the doorposts and the thresholds shook because of the power of the worship. What a time! What an amazing sight! But what happens to Isaiah when he sees this? Because I think, I think right here is a key, a key in Isaiah's life. Because when Isaiah sees this, he doesn't just get all excited and go more, more, more. Oh my goodness, this is just so awesome. He isn't freaking out. He's going, oh no. You see, his next statement is, woe is me. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You see, Isaiah, in this moment, recognizes the almighty holiness and power of God. The one, the one who just spoke and everything that we see around us was began. He just let it be and there it was. The Almighty God, He saw that and realized that in His own life He was nothing. I am garbage. Minus of God in my life, I am garbage. I am ruined. And this is the prophet. This is the one who's in tune with God. This is the one who actually gets to see this. And he's the one that says, I am ruined. But a beautiful thing happens, though, as soon as Isaiah recognizes that statement, as soon as Isaiah recognizes that he is worthless, it says, an angel flew to him. And that seraphim flew to him with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Yes, Minus God in our life. Minus the atoning power of the Almighty in our life. We are nothing. But God has made a way. And God sent His angel. God sent His only Son to make that atonement. So that that coal like for Isaiah touching his lips, that that can be applied into our lives. And we may have our guilt taken away and our sin atoned for. Now I know we've preached that many times here. And I hope you realize that in your life. And you know the saving power of God in your life. And knowing that atonement. But you see, this doesn't end right here. It doesn't end with, okay, I'm atoned for, I'm done. 
Because what's the next thing that happens in this picture? The next thing that happens is, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah jumps up and says, Ooh, 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 send me. Ooh, pick me, pick me. How how many times have you been wanted to be picked? I I love all these boys in their baseball hats here today. Y'all wanted to be on the team, right? Y'all wanted to be picked, right? Y'all want to play. Y'all want to make a difference. You want to whack at home run. You want to bring in those runs. You want to do your job. We, we put a lot of emphasis that in our ball games. But what about in our spiritual life? Amen. Are, are we jumping up and down in our, in our chairs here this morning saying, God, God, send me. Let me tell people about your love. Let me tell people that there's an atoning power out there for you. Let me tell people about their throne room and what it looks like and how awesome and how holy you are. I don't see any of us jumping up and down, yelling, oh, pick me. You see, in Isaiah's life, there was a crisis. And in that crisis, he recognized the holiness of God. Because he sees the holiness of God, he recognized the depravity of himself. But because he was willing to recognize the depravity of himself, God was able to send atonement to him. And then Isaiah said, I will be your servant. God already picked him. God already called him. But he needed Isaiah's willing heart to say, I will be your servant. So where is the breakdown of this progression in our lives? Are we the servants God wants us to be? Are we doing what we're called to do? Do we have an accurate view of God and an accurate view of ourselves? Is that the breakdown? What's the breakdown? Let's start with an accurate view of God. Now, normally whenever I get to preach, I have two to three pages of notes. This morning I told Mike Jones I have eight pages. Wow. So if he wants to go get the hot dogs and start serving them, that's okay. <laughs> We're not going to be that long. I'm going to read a couple chapters of the Bible for you. Because I just want you to get a picture. Job, a man of God. God says, my servant Job. He won't won't deny me. And Job gets stricken with all kinds of crisis. Loses his family. Loses his business. Loses everything. Loses his health. You all have heard me complaining about my bad hips and everything and all the pains and the aches. Man, when I got to reading this, I man, did I get ashamed. Because Job has lost everything and he's sitting in a pile of ashes and, and his friends come up to him and his friends start telling him, 
dude, this is your fault. You must have sinned somewhere. You need to confess. You need to get your life right with God. You need to... All this stuff. This is all your fault. Job said, I know, it's not. And finally Job starts to complain and he gives it to God. In Job 38, the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Oh, boy. <laughs> Have you been called into the principal's office? <laughs> oh, I'm in so much trouble. I remember one day in school, I'm sitting in class, and the, come over the loudspeaker, Tobin Stombaugh, please report to the principal's office. What did I do? Oh, my goodness, I'm in so much trouble. I get to the principal's office, I open the door, and I step in, and there sits my dad. Oh, I thought I was dead. I was sure they were going to kill me. I didn't know what I'd done, but I was sure I was about to die. Turns out Dad wanted to take me fishing. They were having fun with me. It was cool. <laughs> they laughed like that, too. It's exactly what they did. They had so much fun with it. This isn't a laughing matter here for Job. Because God has spoken to Job. And he said, all right, you think you know what's going on. Now you listen, I'm going to question you and you answer me. And he begins, and we're, we're going to read through a bunch of slides here. And I'm, not going to make, I'm going to make a couple comments, but I'm not going to make much or we'll be here all day because there is so much to preach on in here. Verse 2, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line out upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. <laughs> Did you do that, Job? Do you know how all this works? Verse 8, or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and the thick darkness its swaddling band? When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors? When I said, this far you may come but no farther and here you proud waves must stop? Ooh. Did you limit the seas? <laughs> I, can, I can see Job just starting to go, oh man, I, I'm in trouble. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked shall be shaken out of it? It takes on form like clay under a seal and stands out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and the upraised arm is broken. Have you entered the springs of the sea? 
Or have you walked in search of the depths? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the breadth of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Where's the way to the dwelling of light? Where does light come from? And darkness, where is its place? That you may take it to its territory. That you may know the paths to its home. Do you know it because you were born then? Or because the number of your days is great? Have you entered the treasury of the snow? Or have you seen the treasury of hail, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? By what way is light diffused? Or the east wind scattered over the earth? Who has divided a channel for the overflowing water or a path for the thunderbolt? Did you do that? To cause it to rain on land where there is no one, a wilderness in which there is no man, to satisfy, to satisfy the desolate waste and cause the spring forth to grow the growth of tender grass. Has the rain a father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whom's womb comes ice and the frost of heaven who gives it birth? The waters harden like stone and the surface of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the cluster of Pleiades or loosen the belt of Orion? Can you bring out Maseroth in its season or can you guide the great bear with its cubs? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you set their dominion over the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that an abundance of water may cover you? Can you send out lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are? Who has put wisdom in your mind, in the mind? Or who has given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds by wisdom? Or who can pour out the bottles of heaven when the dust hardens in clumps and the clods cling together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion? Or satisfy the appetite of young lions? When they crouch in their dens or lurk in their lairs to lie in wait, who provides food for the raven? When its young ones cry to God and wander about for lack of food. And God continues for another chapter just like that. And just for the sake of time, that's part of your homework this week. Spend time reading that. Get a hold of God. Get a hold of who He really is. And recognize who you are. You see, Job, he answers that in chapter 40. Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. See, Job grabbed a hold of the sense of who God is. His power and His majesty.
God said, look at the earth around you, Job. You think this all just happened? I created this. I put it into motion. I spoke and it happened. I didn't need raw materials to create it. I didn't need a place to set the earth. I created gravity. The things we know in science today that we call things today. God says, I made that. I did that. In, seven, in six days I did that. What are you doing? Job recognized who he was. But God's not done with Job yet. Because then God answers him again. And the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. And he said, once again, prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. God continues and he said, would you indeed annul my judgment? Would you condemn me that you may be justified? Have you an arm like God or can you thunder with a voice like his? Then adorn yourself with majesty and splendor and array yourself with glory and beauty. Remember, he's sitting in ashes, covered in boils, trying to get relief from his boils. And God says to him, go ahead. Clean yourself up and dress yourself up. Make yourself better. Are you God? Disperse the rage of your wrath. Look on everyone who is proud and humble him. Remember those friends of, so-called friends of Job that are telling him he's wrong? <laughs> Give it to him, Job. What do you got to say? Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low. Tear down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together. Bind their faces in hidden darkness. Then I also confess to you that you own right hand, that your own right hand can save you. You see, God's challenge goes beyond just look at the earth and see how powerful and great I am. It goes to the point of where's your mind? It's the inside stuff of me that God says. The proper judgments that I make. You don't think I know the whole story? You think I don't know? The, the, the missionary at Mahaffey said they had made up tracks. They were from Israel and they had made up these tracks and they wanted to, to present the gospel and so they went to these public places and they began to, to pass these tracks out and to share about um, the true God and what He had for them. And somebody come in and turned them into the police and the police come and through an arrangement of circumstances made them stop. And they couldn't pass out their tracks anymore and they had, had this great plan. Well, because of the timing and because of everything that went on, a newspaper caught word of this story, printed their story in the newspaper, and printed their entire tract that they had written up in the newspaper. So the crisis that they had seen, you, you know, for them, what a crisis, what are we going to do? We wanted to share the gospel, we wanted everyone to know the love of Christ. And God said, would you just calm down? 
Because I'm going to share my story with way more people than you could standing in that bus station or that train station. See, God sees the whole story and He makes judgments based on the whole story. So if you're going through a crisis right now, <coughs> it's true. Check and see if you're in sin. There, there is truth to that. If you're living in sin and that sin is causing the grief, then, then maybe you do have something to take care of. But if you're not, maybe God has something so amazing for you so glorious that you've got to go through this. Paul, that we started out talking about, that ended up in those chains, you know what ended up happening to him because he was in chains? He gets to talk to the head of Rome through a series of trials, through people trying to kill him. He ends up being bound and taken to all the leaders of the area. And over numerous trials, he ends up in Rome sharing God with Caesar. Well, what would have happened if Paul would have said, I don't like chains. I'm not going to do it. I don't like chains. But I'm not going to do it is not the answer. Job confesses. In Job 42, we read, I know you can do everything, and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful to me which I did not know. Listen, please, let me speak. You said I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes seize you. Therefore I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. Job realized that the Almighty God has a plan. And, and he knew that he had walked before God in an honorable way. But yet, he questions God's authority in his life to, if necessary, remove everything. And so Job repents. Now, if you continue reading in there, you're going to find out he's going to get double back and he's going to get everything restored. And the uh, guys who were telling him the misinformation earlier, they had to pay a pretty heavy sacrifice. And I'm not saying it's going to always happen like that. But I'm telling you this much. God loves you. And he has a plan, even if right now that crisis seems really terrible. And it may be hard, and you may face change, and you may face hardships. 
but doing what is right is going to be good when you follow God. So our big, our first thing we need to do is repent. Repent of our own desires and to seek God's desires, to be His servant. As I close out the service this, this morning, I, I, <laughs> my conclusion is probably the challenge for you, the, the main part of the message. It's almost like all of that has been intro. Because in Hebrews 10, the author of Hebrews writes these things, and I, and I think it gives us a pattern of things that we need in our lives. Hebrews 10:19 starts and says, "Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness, the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God." Okay, so basically for all these chapters up until chapter 10, he's explained all of what he just said. Okay? If that sounded really confusing to you, read that this week. Because it tells you about how the Old Testament had a sacrificial system and how it was set up and why it was set up. And that Jesus, when he came, he fulfilled that sacrificial system and he became that. And in doing so, he invited us to come boldly to the throne of God and seek his atonement and seek his forgiveness by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so for us today, that's our first. No, Jesus wants you on his team. He's made a way for you to enter his holiest place. And he's invited you to come. Will you come? Verse 22 says, Let us draw near then with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So draw near to God. There's our first step. Draw near to this holy, awesome God that spoke and made this world into being and everything it is and put everything into balance. Draw near to Him. Come close to Him in full assurance of faith, knowing, full assurance, knowing that God will completely receive you and accept you and will do this for you. He will sprinkle your hearts from an evil conscience. The sprinkling of blood on the altar sacrificial system, on the altar, that's for the atonement of sins. So for your sin, God says, I'll sprinkle you. I'll take care of your sins. It'll be covered forever, taken away, gone. And our bodies washed with pure water. You see, there's a step after the sprinkling. Just like Isaiah didn't stop with, man, what a great worship service. I'm done. Oh, God, I'm awful. Thank you for forgiving my sins. I'm going to go back home and do what I want to do. He said, no, 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 send me. There's a change that happens in our life. There's a change that's supposed to change. There are things in our life that we got to get rid of. There are things we got to stop doing. There are things that do not honor God. And those may be sinful things, and those may be just things that are not the most beneficial in our life. There are things that I love to do that were, that were fun and, and really weren't sin and weren't bad, but it wasn't what God wanted me to put my time into and put my effort into. 
And so for me, that needed to be changed. I needed to stop. So there are things in our life when we need to be washed with pure water. We need to be made clean. There's things we need to get rid of. Take the stinky, sweaty shirt off and put a clean one on. After God purifies your sin. Don't try just changing your clothes. Because if you ain't had a bath, that next set of clothes is going to stink too. You know how that works. Then, once you have been set in that right position before God, you've drawn near to Him, you've been cleansed, you've been washed, you've been made whole, then it tells us to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Yeah. There's going to be some hard times. There's going to be things that aren't going to be fun. You may get put into chains. You may have everything pulled out from underneath you like a rug. But hold on to God. This is a ride that's going to be wild. And the more that Ed has been talking about for how many weeks now, and it's probably going to continue for a while, is going to be hard to do sometimes. But hold fast the confession of your faith. Hold fast without wavering. I know what God has us to do, and I'm going to do it. You know, there is a holy stubbornness. We can be stubborn for things that aren't good. But when we're stubborn for what is right, and I'm going to do it no matter what, God will honor that. Hold on to that without wavering because God is doing something in your life because he is faithful it's who he is it's not just what he does it's who he is he's a faithful God so hold on to him without wavering because he's faithful and then it says in verse 24 and let us consider one another Whoa, we're just going to stop there for a second. Because now all of a sudden, the focus here is changing. When we get in that right relationship with God, when we recognize His holiness, when we've come to grips with our own depravity, and we receive His atonement, and we are really hanging on to what God has for us in our lives, all of a sudden our focus should change. And it should change to everyone around me. I should all of a sudden become more concerned about all of you than I am about me. Yeah, I'm going to face some hard times. You're going to face some hard times. But you want to know what? When you're concerned about me and I'm concerned about you, we can all walk through those hard times. Let us consider one another. Why? It says here, in order to stir up love and good works. You see, the temptation is going to be to not love and to do things that aren't right. That's the temptation of our life. But because we have one another, because I'm concerned about you and you're concerned about me, we can walk together and help each other to love one another and to do the right things. To do good works. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. 
and so much more as you see the day approaching. Look, this time is important. This time is special that we gather together, that we get to know one another, that we know that you love me, you shake my hand. That we know that we are concerned about one another. <coughs> this time is so special. There are great spiritual things when we gather together and we worship like a body like this. Your homework this week, I noticed when Tracy put it up, I give it to her in a thumb drive and then she makes it look pretty for all you to see because I don't know how to do that. Okay? But your homework, I have listed with it and I didn't talk to her about this and this is my fault and I apologize for not talking to her about this. Um, but your homework, I included with it a link to um, music. And what I would like you to try to do this week, that as the, and I'm hoping it shows up like on your Facebook and those kind of things, that when it, I'm hoping that you take that link and you spend some time in that personal worship. And you take that time to allow that music to help you focus on God. And then as you begin to read the homework for the week, to allow that to infiltrate your time of worship. Okay, so I know that personal time is important and that homework is very important and vital to us. But this time here, when we gather together, is so important. And there are other times throughout the week that we gather together. It doesn't just have to be here. There are small groups, there's men's groups, there's family groups, there's children's time. There's all kinds of stuff. But gather together to help one another. We need to be encouraging one another. We know the days are scary at this time. There's been lots of people talking about all kinds of, oh man, look, I see prophecy coming, I see that. You know what? Ever since clear back whenever the author of Hebrews wrote Hebrews, they said, as the day approaches, as things happen, you've got to be gathered together more and more and more and more. We need each other. We need to help each other do good works. We need to encourage one another. It's going to be hard. It's a hard time. This life can be difficult. We need each other. I can't stress that enough. So draw near to God. Hold on to Him. And become a servant to one another. Now I'm going to go back to the very first verse that I started out with today. As we end. It's a circle. Paul says, And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, and this is what I want us to focus on as we end today, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. We all have been given a task by God. 
It may not look like what Paul did. It may not look like Pastor Ed. It may not look like me. It may not look like Joe Cole. But God gives you a task. He's going to put you involved with people. He's going to let you get involved in their lives. And you may face some really hard times. I know there's families in here right now who who are facing some really physically hard times. I know people who have some medical conditions who are really struggling right now and they're going to face some really hard times. I I know some people who who are struggling financially. I know there's some people who who are struggling with with their homes. I know there's people, there's got to be people here who are struggling in their marriages. But I'm telling you this, God wants us to care about one another and to encourage one another this day to good work. I even hear some of you young kids going, what am I going to do in the future? What's my next step? I'm getting close to graduating. Now what am I going to do? There are lots of crises in this life. But our God is bigger than all of them. And if you're facing a crisis, God is there with you. And He will walk you through it. So be encouraged this morning to stand fast and be a servant. A servant is a term that I think we in America hate. It has come with so many negative connotations. But as the owner of my own business, I see my younger brother who helps me, he has the best position. Because he says, just tell me what to do. I got no responsibility in this. I have nothing caught up in this. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And really, our lives with God should be that way. Whatever you want, God, I know you're going to walk me through it. I'll be your servant today. I hope you can see the holiness of God and see how much He wants to do that in your life today. He loves you. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank You so much for loving us. And I thank You that You are an awesome and a mighty and a holy God Because otherwise, what in the world would we be worshiping you for? But you are amazing. And you love us so much. God, I pray that you would help us to see you in the time of crisis. That we wouldn't see the crisis, but that we would see you. And that we would walk in those times of crisis in our life. That we would hang on to You and hold tight to You, knowing that You will be faithful in our lives, that You will be true, and that in one day, Your will will be known to us in those hard times. God, may we be Your servants, and may we walk with You every step, not wavering from what You would have us to do. I thank You for that. And I pray your blessing upon us this day. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, as we hang out this afternoon...